I think people went into Wonder Woman hoping it wasn't a train wreck. So the expectation bar could not have been th- that high. If people aren't expecting much, sometimes that might uh, magnify their enjoyment with the film. But I think it was a good film. I think it's easily, for me, the best of this DC uh, extended, whatever you want to call it, cinematic universe that's happened post-Dark Knight trilogy. So I I definitely prefer it over Man of Steel, uh, Batman v Superman, or Suicide Squad. So I think it's it's probably leagues above those films. But uh, I'm I'm like you guys. I'm not ready to necessarily crown it uh, with any type of award or or achievement uh, necessarily quite yet. Opening this week's show with the Cinema Geeks sharing their thoughts on 2017's Wonder Woman, which was met with glowing praise for its representation of women in film, specifically in the action superhero genre. This discussion and our viewing of Black Panther has inspired us to have a conversation about representation in film and where we'd like to see it go. Welcome to Marcus Played, the movie podcast about movie podcasts and the discussions that come from them. I'm Hiro of The True Romance Film Podcast, and joining me this week is David Hart of The Grand Gesture. The world is changing. Soon, there will only be the conquered and the conquerors. Step into the spotlight. You are a good man. Step into the spotlight. With a good heart. It's hard for a good man to be a king. All right, Dave. So it's been a while since you and I have recorded together in any sort of capacity. I think uh, right. your show is on a hiatus or something or other. <laughs> it's on a lazy hiatus. Mercifully. Yes. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> this for the person who texts me every couple of weeks. Where's your show? Hey, 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 I hey, miss hey, it. Hey, I've got a reputation <laughs> to uphold. Let's keep that private between us. <laughs> I got the screenshots, man. How dare you? How dare you? So let's uh let's talk about Black Panther, man. This is a monster, monster hit. And uh it is uh inspiring our conversation about representation here. So let, let's lead off the conversation like this, man. You are the perfect person for this. Because am it, I in my the white eye, guy? Yeah, yeah, big white guy. <laughs> uh, you, but you are king representation when it comes to podcasts, right? And it, because representation right. doesn't just mean color, right? Representation. I'm like lots the of king things. T'Challa of representation. Yeah, that's that's okay, exactly that's it. Minus the abs, <laughs> minus the good yeah. looks. Yeah, <laughs> definitely minus the abs. I'll, but I'll you, you are <laughs> king representation. So there's. There's no better person to have on to talk about uh, reputation, representation in film particularly than uh, you, my friend. I'm assuming you saw Black Panther since we're talking of Black Panther. Yeah, um, I actually saw it twice, believe oh, it or look not. Look at that guy. Yeah. So, so you went beyond the movie pass. You actually gave it money. You know what? I gave it money twice because my movie pass wasn't working the second time. So oh, no. I paid full price for evening shows two times. What the hell's Panther. wrong with so, you, man? So beat that. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I won't. I put my money where my mouth is with representation. I don't want to put anything where your mouth is, my friend, but uh, uh, moving along. Well, fair. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about representation. Um, obviously, this is a big leap forward in uh in film i I, let's in superhero films let's let's put it that way right because superhero films typically not this well representative of uh people of color let's start with there Mm -hmm. um but i think that this film goes a little bit beyond just representation right it's genuinely just a good film but it does bring that other level of um right of interest i guess with the representation piece, man. So let's talk about the film itself. So I was actually thinking about, cause I actually just listened to your episode on black Panther for true bromance. And you referenced this movie as being, and I quote black as fuck. Uh, <laughs> and, and you're not wrong. I mean, it's, it would be one thing to have, I mean, it was great that the character of black Panther was involved in the Marvel cinematic universe yes. recently in civil war, like just having, Black representation in a huge budget uh, comic book film like that was great already. But this movie, of course, being set almost completely in Wakanda, mm-hmm. is like just about every character in this movie is black. You know, and the director is black, the writer is black. Like you really have representation both on screen and behind the camera, which was so cool to see. And in your ears. And Don't th- forget in your ears. Yeah, absolutely. The soundtrack as well, which is phenomenal. Love it. Um, and there's always been the argument that like, well, you know, movies that have people of color or other groups that aren't rep- represented usually don't do well monetarily, especially don't do well overseas monetarily. And Black Panther, whether it's because of the quality of the movie or because it's got the Disney Marvel Lucasfilm conglomerate behind it, is completely busting up that stereotype. Because this movie not only is doing great domestically, but worldwide is kind of blowing up. So it's really good. So this is like this is a, a weapon in the arsenal for people who who always get this argument of like, well, we can't cast a black person in this main role or a gay person or right. a Latino person in this main role because it won't make money. Like, look at this. Look at Black Panther. This movie had the biggest opening in history besides i think star wars the force awakens and if you want to talk about people waiting for a movie i mean star it doesn't wars go uh, yeah it starts yeah, and it ends get bigger with than star that. wars right and it was approaching those numbers so right. that's incredible just on its own yeah and i will argue that that it's not successful in spite of its representation of its quote-unquote blackness but it's arguably even more successful financially because of its representation right. black people come and turned out for this this is their movie this is their their chance to see um, themselves on represented properly on screen and in in a story that they normally don't get right, it, right. it's the prototypical movie because it doesn't really go that f- above and beyond when it comes to storytelling the, than every other marvel movie so i will say that it enhances the popularity of the film right because it gives you something to latch on to i mean um and 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 it's really pushing it forward yeah i think you're right i don't i think that's an impossible thing to argue against because this movie really like it doesn't avoid its blackness it dives into it and it and it actually and it actually deals with some things that i didn't expect a marvel movie to deal with like it's kind of deals with the idea of 
African black people versus black Americans and how different that experience is. If you look at the character of Killmonger, who was left behind and raised in the United States and his kind of his different perception of what the world is like, as opposed to the people of Wakanda. I mean, that's actually like it's done in a way that's approachable to everyone, but it's actually a pretty deep topic. And you can see the the not the physical violence, but the kind of internalized violence that this has caused in this character's life. And that's, you know, and, and I think a lot of that is is due to Ryan Coogler, who like, let me just say, like, Ryan Coogler at this point can do anything. Like, he started Yeah, he's off, getting to that point. You know, he started off doing a passion project, doing Fruitvale Station, like a quote-unquote important film. And it is an important film, but it's very much diving into an event that happened. And then he moved into smaller budget, but but a you know a known quantity in Creed, like kind of bouncing off the Rocky franchise and made that something better than it was. And I think, to me, he has made, to me, the best Marvel film. And I think the reason it's the best Marvel film to me is you don't need history to get into this movie. You can come in totally blind about all these characters, and it's approachable enough that you can enjoy the film. And I think it's just a good movie on its own without Absolutely. all the other baggage that goes in. I mean, there's no... Because I sure as shit didn't... Right. There's no Infinity Stones. There's no, like, you know, until, until the post-credits, there's really almost no references to other superheroes right. or characters yeah. in the Marvel canon, which I loved. It was just like, let's just make a good movie. Finally, like maybe, maybe since like it's probably the first movie since the beginning of this universe, like Iron Man, that didn't have all these tie-ins that you needed to understand, and that was so refreshing to see. Yeah, and, and it just reminded me a little bit of Guardians Guardians of the Galaxies, where I didn't know any characters. Separate. They would say their names, and I would totally forget who the names were because I don't, I don't know any of them. But these characters kind of came off the screen and became their own individual things based solely on the way it's written and the way it's performed, the way it's framed in the film, and great. Like, I knew who the general lady was, even though I right. had no idea what her name was, but <laughs> she was badass from the get, from the jump, right? right. She was and just, nobody knew who M'Baku was, but by the end of the movie, you knew the, like, the general who lived in the, you know, the kind of the hills and the ice. The and big the gorilla snow. dude, You knew yeah. who he was. And you cared about these characters. That's the other thing. And the same thing with the villain. I, I, I would, I would be shocked if anyone thought that Eric Killmonger is not the best villain that Marvel has ever put out. Like I don't think it's even close. Yeah. Like I, I guess you can argue Loki the first couple times he shows up, but like a very human villain. And that's the other thing. It's a very in a super powered movie. It's still a very human story, and it's about family and connection and and reaching out to people who are in pain. I mean, that's really what this movie is about. And that's usually something you don't see in a superhero movie. Right. You thumb your nose at the elf thing from Thor two, but whatever. Yes. Um, Correct. It was, so, that movie should be forgotten. So let yes. me ask you this. You know, cycling back to representation, another film this year that came out that was a superhero film that came out this year, or 2017 really, is Wonder Woman. Another movie that hangs its hat heavily on representation, right? We get friendly sure. woman superhero. Granted, it's a very, very iconic superhero. Uh, so I was listening to podcast friends of ours, uh, the, the Cinema Geeks over there. They were reviewing Wonder Woman earlier this year or earlier in 2017 and they touched on that discussion real quick about how a lot a lot of the praise centered around the film's representation based i think people are going bonkers like i've heard people saying they like they're crying in the theater and like 
if it's a representation thing, like, awesome. If it's, like, a, you think the movie's that good, like, I don't know that there's been a movie so good that I've just been crying in theaters. Um, like, that's insane to me. <laughs> so you think it's good, but not as good as others are saying, possibly. Oh, for sure. Amanda, agree or disagree? I mean, I had some tear-up moments, but I don't think it was because I'm like, this is so good, I just need to freaking cry about it. Is that what you're saying people are doing? Because that's nuts. Great. It's a woman in, in, in this position, a woman superhero, et cetera, et cetera. Great. But then they almost eliminate the, that entire conversation and go straight into, hey, it's a comic book movie. And I saw it as a real step forward in the discussion of film, right? It's I think that we almost do a disservice when we focus a little too much on representation, in my opinion. And, and, and that's the only good quality that we discuss, right? I think that what we should discuss is, yeah, we note it. We note the great representation. But I think it's important to also just look at it as a film, if that makes sense, right? You don't want to like, okay, this is great because it represents women well. No, it just it's good because it's good. Plain and simple. Yeah, and it I becomes mean, I, the, it should be the norm, even though we're not quite there yet. But it should right. be the norm that we're I think just able to discuss it as a film alone. That's the key, and that's why it's still important to talk about representation because it isn't the norm, and there's so much pressure on these movies, especially when you finally get a big budget and a huge company behind it. That if this movie sucks, then it's like okay, now we're you know we're moving ourselves back decades as far as progress because now the next time we try to make a movie like this, it's going to be shot down. And and movies with white protagonists, white male protagonists, don't really have that pressure. You know, like if Black Panther hadn't done well or Wonder Woman hadn't done well, who knew who knows where we would be. But it's a really important step forward that these movies did well. And you know, I want it to do well. For two reasons. One, because of the representation, and one, because hopefully they're good movies. Like, you don't necessarily just want movies to make a bunch of money just because of who's in it. But I think both of those need to play a part, at least for now. Hopefully, someday, we'll get to the point where there'll be so many black-led movies, so many gay-led movies, so many female-led movies, that, like, you're going to have a bunch that don't that aren't very good, and you're going to have a couple that are great, and most that are kind of right in the middle— but right now, it's important, I think, to push these forward because there aren't that many options and there hasn't been for so many years. I was actually uh, just listening to a podcast today um, that's called the Horrible Imaginings Podcast. It's a horror podcast that's, uh, that also puts out a, a film festival in San Diego. Well, I'm hoping what we can do is talk about different films that have happened in the past through the lens of 2015 and see if we can compare the way Hollywood would represent our culture through film and whether or not things have changed or to what degree things have changed. And they were talking about kind of the history of representation and how it kind of starts with white people putting on blackface or yellowface or whatever, or having, you know, female roles that are ridiculous. And then it moves towards, you know, okay, now we'll cast Asian people or black people in these roles, but they have to act like fools, right? Um, so you, you start with stuff like, uh, like Mickey Rooney in Breakfast oh, at Tiffany's. I just right? knew that was going to come is, up. Oh, yeah, which is worst. horrible, right? Yeah. It's, it's the perfect example of like how bad representation was in the past. And then it moves to it's like, okay, we'll cast an Asian actor in that role, but he's going to act just the same way. We're going to still put buck tooth, buck teeth on him. We're still going to have him talk in this ridiculous, you know, stereotypical quote unquote Chinaman accent. And then it slowly, slowly has moved forward to like, okay, now we can actually 
cast Asian people, black people, gay people, women in these roles that are actually full-fledged characters. And unfortunately, it is I feel like we've taken a big leap forward maybe in the past 10 years, but before that, man, the progress was really really slow. Like they were talking about these these old movies where you had um like Myrna Loy who was famous for being in the Thin Man movies, these this right. white lady and yeah. she was playing this like oversexed dragon lady, you know, and it was just like, what are we doing? And these movies become uncomfortable to watch, but we can learn from that and, and we can see kind of the progress that's being made. Like, we're not where we need to be, definitely, but, you know, if you talk about gay representation, like, good luck finding a movie, maybe except for uh, Call Me By Your Name, that doesn't end with someone getting AIDS or someone being killed in a hate crime. Like, it's always yeah, yeah, yeah. this horrible, horrible ending, it, it, the, but the, we are the, making progress. certainly is the framework of the film. It becomes a touch point right and it, you know it's not like something like the great lucy where it's just the, it's just a female protagonist and it, the movie really doesn't deal with that it doesn't go around her femininity i guess maybe during the the sequence where she calls her mom and stuff like that there is some mm. sort of you know dealing with that but in the on the whole it's just some lady who's getting some kick-ass powers and and right. you know what hugely success, successful tons of money on right. a, on a not known property, just completely individual, but you've got Scarlett Johansson just kicking ass and people ate it up. So, um, right. I think that that's, uh, you know, that's to me, that's the way it should go, right? It should just be like just plop person X in a position and let it go. If the story's good, if it's fun, if it's action, then good to go. I mean, uh, another example is Atomic Blonde. Yeah, I was just thinking that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I think, another step forward because you have. You know, Lucy was a fun movie, but it's very super powered. So there's a little bit of distance to it. And it felt like at least past the first act felt a little afraid to inflict any real damage on its hero. Where Atomic Blonde, like she goes through the ringer in that movie. And I think Black Panther does a similar thing is they, you know, we talked about black representation in this movie, but you talk about black female representation in this movie. You have women at every level. You have women warriors, you have women scientists, you know, you have, you know, if you have women rulers of a sense, you have, you know, T'Challa's mother in that place. So you have them being treated in an equal way, both in good and bad ways. Like there are women in danger in this movie, but you never really feel like they're damsels in distress. You feel like they can handle themselves kind of at every turn. I didn't mention even uh, Lupita Nyong'o's character who's like, you know, black female spy, yeah. you know, throughout this film, you know, she's so like you a got background. A James everything. Bond of, uh, yeah. of the uh, Wakandan world. I'd watch that movie. Give me, give me that spinoff. I'd, I'd watch the Wakandan spy. That's perfect. Sure, as long as uh, Michael B. Jordan's involved somehow, man, because that dude was awesome. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah he's to... pretty great. Yeah, no, he was great. I find myself wondering if we, how do I put this? If we expect too much representation from individual films, there was a big kind of you know, dust up online because two of the kind of uh, the King's Guards characters that were featured in the film in the comic book were queer. They were they were lesbian lovers, and that wasn't included in the film. And supposedly there is a deleted scene that talks about that, and they cut it from the film, which probably wouldn't have taken more than, you know, 30 seconds to get across. So there was a little bit of like, yeah, this is great for black representation, for female representation, but from the queer community, kind of like, what about us? And I found myself wondering, like, you know, I feel like this movie does so much for representation, even as a queer person, I find it difficult to like right. really get behind and be upset about it because like it's, it does so much already. Like 
It's seamless enough feel... that you want to cut it a break. Like you, you want right. to trust the director or trust the storytellers right. here because you've, they've trusted enough to just be very open and very, you know, splatter about their representation that so allow them to make a storytelling decision. I will trust Ryan Coogler's decision here when it comes to that. Like, Maybe mm-hmm. it just didn't work storytelling wise, time wise, whatever. He just felt the need mm-hmm. to just ch- hit that cutting room floor. Lots of things hit the cutting room floor, man. Sometimes it happens. Maybe we'll get it next time. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's like a four and a half hour cut of Black Panther somewhere <laughs> that exists, and he had to cut a lot of stuff. Like this is this is how filmmaking works, unfortunately. And I and I do think that. You know, in general, marginalized groups tend to hit the cutting room floor more than anyone else. You know, like, you know, we had we had a lot of scenes of uh, <laughs> Andy Serkis uh, with his, uh, you know, ridiculous off key singing in the interrogation room and his SoundCloud jokes. And not that that stuff didn't work. That stuff really worked. Yeah, for I me. liked it. Yeah. But but it does make me wonder, like, OK, what goes into the decision to leave you know, queer people out of this storyline when it's, you know, and then there's the whole the poor guy like, has some screen time, man. The guy yeah. spends half of, <laughs> he spent 90% of his career <laughs> in like a green suit, like dancing it's around true. for Gollum like, or for a, you know, a chimp or whatever. Right, have some time. Just, What's wrong with you? Right. It just becomes the whole argument of, you know, how important, if you're a comic book fan, like how important is canon to you? Like there's, there's kind of like, uh, previous proof that like these characters are gay and then you you filmed a scene with it and then you purposely let it left it out of the movie and then it makes you wonder like okay as a queer person it makes me wonder like why that happened necessarily and not necessarily as like this is automatically terrible but like it does make you think a little bit in a movie that got a lot of its publicity about being the first fully black comic book story right it was a, one of the big story one. one of the big mentions of publicity here is about representation and i think it does overall an excellent job of that but it does make you wonder okay why some groups and why not others and where do we draw the line to just enjoy a movie as opposed to like we have to check every single box necessary i'm really curious as to when i'm gonna get my my film right when are we gonna get the you know where's brown panther <laughs> yeah that, yeah, we're, we're like, yeah well maybe i'm gonna get a magnum pi because uh jay hernandez was just cast as a uh, as the magnum character <laughs> <laughs> jay <laughs> hernandez is still out there huh that's all right no he's out there man well how dare you disrespect <laughs> bad moms man what's wrong with you the guy is uh, the sexy love interest uh, in bad moms and not only that yeah, he was in a superhero movie guess. He was the like flaming tree thing in uh, Suicide Squad, wasn't he? Isn't that oh, Jay Hernandez? Yeah, I get. I maybe I don't know. I'm not. I'm not diving into that, and I'm not going to be the white guy who's wrong about about which Latino actor. I'm going to let you die on that hill. Uh, I'll take it, man. He's he's the place. The place of the he plays the fire breathing guy who uh, who turns into a palm tree near the end, like a, a, a flaming palm tree. And the things you remember about that movie, I'm just amazed that's still in your mind. But hey, man, I got I got to take a rock. I get him. You know, I got to take my representation. I don't see Benjamin Brad over there casting those Brad Pitt roles, you know. So yeah, that's true, and he should be. See, I would I would much rather see Benjamin Brad than Jay Hernandez. Not to like, not to negate Jay Hernandez, but I was just hoping to see uh, maybe M- M- Michael Pena. I want to see Michael Pena and everything though. So it's whatever. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. Actually, you know, Michael Pena's Magnum PI. I'm down. Oh, dude, <laughs> Let's you know, do it. Throw the mustache. He'll <laughs> be good to go. You know, you know what. I, in all, in all fairness, when you're casting Magnum P.I., I think that you should go on facial hair growing skills alone. Yeah. Right? Forget That's about all the rest you need. Of it. If, if, 
chest hair too. He's got like the open Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> if you can't grow the proper mustache, you're you're just cut. I don't give a shit. What look if Scarlett Johansson could grow, grow a better mustache than than uh, <laughs> than Person X, she should be cast. That's she should it. be. I just I would love to see a you know a Magnum PI movie with a Latino actor and a white guy as his uh, little sidekick. Oh, you're getting it. Great. You're getting it. Yeah. It's be Jay Hernandez, it's baby. Magnum PI, Hawaiian shirts. Maybe they'll set it and in just, Cuba or something. I don't know. I just think there are better Latino actors out there other than Che Hernandez. That's are all. there? <laughs> yeah, Michael Pena. You already mentioned one. I know, but he's in Benjamin everything Bratt. these days. I mean, he's he's the sidekick in Ant Man, so you know he's just, he's probably taken. Yeah, he's he's probably cashing those fat Marvel checks. He's fine. He doesn't need he doesn't need to grow the mustache. He's good. Uh, let me ask you this, man. Uh, when do you say enough? We've leveled off. Like when would you say? As as the king representation, as I as I you know <laughs> I donned the hat on you there, uh, put the crown right. on your head. When would you say enough is enough, and we could just go and watch the movie without noticing representation? When it, when we just hmm. you know black out for lack of a better word, and just oh, it's a it's a film. Cairo, no, no, <laughs> blackout. Come on, <laughs> be better. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, my bad puns are just oh, no, but insincerity. <laughs> When can we go into the film and just watch it for its storytelling, its filmmaking craft and that stuff? And when do we reach that point where representation is second nature to us? You know, that's a good question, but a very difficult question to ask. And I think it's – or to answer rather. And I think it's – have you heard that old quote about like the difference between uh, like porn and erotica? Like you know it when you see it, right? You know porn when you see it. Right. So I think we're going to know. It depends on my speed. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're going to know when we see it. We, we're going to know when we don't, we don't need to argue and fight for representation anymore because it's going to be so common that we're like, oh, that's not a big deal anymore. We're going to, we're going to see big studios cast black, Latino, Asian actors in these big roles. And eventually it's going to get to a point where, you know, we're not going to have a conversation about Oscar so white. We're not going to have a conversation about can we make a big budget movie with a, with a uh, cast of a bunch of people of color? Like we're going to know eventually when that happens. And sadly, like I don't think we're that close to it because look at, look at how, shocked the world is at uh at how well this movie is doing like we all knew it was going to make money i mean dr strange made money like we knew it's a marvel movie it's got the stamp on it it's going to do well but if you look at like box office prognostication like if you look at like six months ago they thought like oh it'll probably make 120 million dollars in that opening weekend Oh, you don't have to go that far back as early as the beginning of last week oh 160 oh maybe right. 150 and what and is then... it like 220 i mean over four days like it's so we're still shocked by this we're still shocked by the numbers yeah. and i think when we get to a point because like as you said again on your show like the the almighty color is green when it comes You're to these right. studios yep. right so we are going to know when we have quote-unquote enough representation or representation to the level that we don't have to think about it anymore when we have the money people in Hollywood not worry about this. When we say, like, oh, it's probably going to do really, really well and there's not this question about, like, will will black people come out in droves to see this movie? Will white people come out to see a black movie? And actually, if you look at the stats, 
there's about I think it was like 35 percent of the audience was white, 35 percent was black. So man, you, know, you do have you put uh, you put a skin tight suit and then a cape on anybody, the nerds are going right? to turn out. They don't give a shit what the hell's going on, man. You put it the- all turn out <laughs> as long as you put that skin tight suit on someone in as good a shape as Chadwick Boseman, or if you have Michael B. Jordan, you know. You know, flaunting, flaunting himself in that movie. Like, I'm, I'm good to go, man. Like, yeah, let's dude. roll. Settle him down, please. <laughs> like, he's even bigger than he was in Creed. Like, yeah, I didn't think it was a possible. Damn boxer. But I can't wait are. for that whole Creed two thing to be a uh, thing. With well, it's going to be difficult Dolph because Lundgren. Coogler isn't directing. You know, and I think that's that's a big mistake. Is they involved? Well, he's involved. He's involved, but he's yeah. I don't know. And I think you know. One of the things, you know, we talked about how impressive Coogler is, but the other things he's managed to do is make a movie that doesn't look exactly like every other Marvel movie is he's proved that you can actually make your own film within the system. And I think that speaks more to him maybe than anything else he's ever done, because like they think you can maybe argue that James Gunn and Taika Waititi with uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and Thor Ragnarok might have done that or might have come close, but it still feels like a Marvel movie. But because this movie is about in a lot of ways, an isolationist culture in Wakanda, it feels very separate and it feels like its own thing and it has a rhythm and a a drive that most Marvel movies don't have. And that was really cool to see. Like you called it, you know, black as fuck. Like it really is. Like there's, you know, the... You know, you have two relatively major white characters, but they're really only there to serve the plot rather than be their own full fledged, fully fledged characters. And honestly, it's about time white people got a taste of their own medicine because that's what oh. they've done with black, gay, and Asian <laughs> characters and Latino characters there you go. for, for decades back. and decades. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking in my head, I was like, man, I remember watching Scarface and I'm like, w-, and I, I, I talk about this film <laughs> oh, a God. lot. Oh, God. You know, if you go with the True Romance Film Podcast, you're gonna hear often i bring up scarface how much i dislike that movie and you and me both i I do hang (laughs) my hat on the representation uh aspect of that film man number one he's god awful al pacino is oh he's bad awful accent's bad the acting's bad it's just find find a cuban act like come on it's not that hard yeah really so you got uh bauer stephen bauer and the friend of manolo he's got he's okay you know he's Mm -hmm. he's actually a latino guy you know so right um yeah i hang my head on that like you know we're 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 not that far removed from that level of you know plug and play sort of right lack of representation where it just sticks out so bad but scarface is this beloved film right and i idiots never got it it's not good it's not good it's too long it's ridiculous i love it i I mean michelle piper is great that's about it. <laughs> and look at Robert Loggia in that movie. We do hear about Chavia, the Diaz brothers. What about them? What about Gaspar Gomez? What is he going to do when you start moving 2,000 kids? Fuck Gaspar Gomez and fuck the fucking Diaz brothers. Fuck them all. I buried those cockroaches. What is he doing? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> There's a lot going on in that movie that nobody knows what's going on. It is on. a bad, like, it is Mickey Rooney level of insulting <laughs> In my opinion, mm-hmm. when yeah. they're in there doing those accents, and it doesn't seem to resonate with a lot of people because, I, I, I and why is that? Do you think it's because Pacino is so beloved and the movie is so beloved? Like especially, like anyone who was raised on MTV's Cribs saw that poster a thousand times. Oh God in- Almighty! Yeah, <laughs> like it's just. But why I don't know, I think doesn't it's- that one get called to the task? In my, you know, why is well. 
because that's a horrible, horrible caricature of Latino culture in that film. Or Yeah, and I think a lot of it is because there's, you know, just like I talked about with representation in general, there's not a lot of mainstream, big-budget movies that are about Latino people. There's just not. And a lot of them that are, even the ones that are known, are about crime or about prison. I mean, you got stuff like American Me. I mean, it's like... Don't speak ill you know, of American Me. I love you so No, no, I'm saying that's a good yeah. movie, but yeah. it's only showing kind of one side of Latino culture. Like, you know, I you know, and I might have been one of the few people to see uh, Mi Familia a bunch, of, a bunch of times, but that's not a big budget mainstream film. And we just don't have that. You know, and especially back, I mean, when was Scarface? Scarface got to be like early 80s. Yeah, like right? 1980, Especially back I think. then. I mean, you know, there, you know, I think, I think white producers and these, these groups have gotten away with this for so long that people don't even think about it anymore, you know? And if it's, you know, I mean, we've, the history of Hollywood is checkered to say the least. I mean, you've got, you know, movies that are well regarded, having blackface, having, you know, talking about Breakfast at Tiffany's earlier with Andy Rooney. I mean, this is, and we kind of have accepted it. And yet still, white is the norm in most Hollywood films. You know, you really have to fight for representation. So I think that's why movies that even had bad representation kind of get a pass because we don't have the comparison. We don't have the other options out there. Yeah, no, for sure, man. I mean, I was trying to look up as you were talking, like, Latino movies that made it big, I guess, is the, the thing. And the <laughs> first luck. thing, you know, the Pan's Labyrinth comes up, but that well, sure you know, wasn't exactly a box office juggernaut. And then you no, got like, really no. small films like Itu Mama Tambien and right, you know, Volver and things like that. But these are indie films that yeah, they're jumping off points for directors we now know who do bigger things. Absolutely, you know, both, both Pan's Labyrinth and Itu Mama Tambien are probably the least money making films of those directors' careers, and they got big after they got publicity at award shows, not because like oh everybody's got to run out to see this. Well, absolutely, and I just. I guess, man. I guess when when called to the carpet, it's hard to to pinpoint something that's uh, that's big in Latino film. I, I I can't even think of one that I would just say, "Oh, hey, there it is." Right. I just yeah. yell Michael Pena over and over again. I guess. Right. It's. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, and it's and it's really unfortunate. But I think representation. I think can we talked about when will we know when we're there? What is too much representation for one film? And there's even I was listening to our friends of our show, uh, Cinema Bun podcast this is an older episode they were kind of talking about um they were talking about british black actors playing you know really well-known uh characters who are dealing with the kind of black experience in america how far how far do we go before we say okay we feel like this character has been correctly represented by the right actor like how how much how much in common with the character they're portraying do they have to right. have like i guess sam jackson had come out yes he talked about, about daniel kaluuya yeah daniel yeah. kaluuya being in an interracial relationship on film when that's not as big of a deal according to him in british culture it is american culture you've got david oyelo um playing martin luther king you know mm-hmm. i mean you have you know and i could see getting upset over that but you know baruch one of the hosts kind of brought up the fact that like you know honestly we've had such trouble with representation i just want an actor on screen who reminds me of me who looks like me i don't care if his original accent is nigerian british or american it yeah. doesn't really matter to me like just we need to start somewhere and it feels like 
it feels a little defeatist when we're we're like making these differentiations between like oh he's not american black enough or he's not african black enough it's like we have to start somewhere yeah let's not nitpick make the, those arguments later let's not nitpick yeah. the first entry you know what i'm saying let's get to that and right maybe don't we throw out get the, the baby with the bathwater you know it's just like come on guys but you know yeah, that so. kind of dovetails into like british uh actors are commonly cast in american cast in american roles i mean look at our big superheroes right you got henry cavill as the big superhero superman yeah you've got the Christ- all-american like Christian the american Bale hero is yeah. batman you know you've got right? gal gadot who is not an American woman? Right? No, she's, she's Israeli. Israeli. Yeah. yeah, Gal Gadot. Got yeah. All these characters and actors and stuff, and, and British. But you know, maybe Americans should just do a fucking better job of acting, right? And also, at a certain level, man, it's called acting. Like it's like yeah, you exactly. know, I mean, like and of course, there's lines that you have to draw, right? Like I don't want you know uh, Steve Buscemi playing Martin Luther King. Like I don't need that in my life. No matter how good he could portray that role, I don't need that in my life. Like you do need a black actor to play Martin Luther King or Malcolm X. You know, like you do need that. But like I'm not gonna me personally anyway i'm not going to draw the line at like oh well he has a funny accent in real life so we can't have him play that role like you know i I trust ava duvernay enough with her casting that you know she made the right call there yeah you're not exactly uh, al pacino doing uh <laughs> doing right, scarface right. or or say hello I, I to my little that, friend that like David jones recently got a little bit of backlash for playing griselda blanco who is a very very uh colombian uh, right. I, I and she got a little backlash when she was in the, the Zorro movie uh, because, you know, she was playing uh, a Latina right. in yeah. that movie. She's, I believe, you Mexican know? or Spaniard or something or other. I don't right. know what she's and, supposed to be. And on that same episode on Cinema Bun, uh, Tonja, the, uh, she she brought up the idea that there was some backlash when uh, Jennifer Lopez was playing Selena uh, because what? she's Puerto Rican instead of Mexican, you okay. know, so, you know. That's a, I think that's uh, splitting hairs a hair a bit too much. <laughs> like, right. I, I, going back to the whole thing. Like, hey, man, look, we got we got a Latina woman on screen. Let's just uh, right. call it a day there. Um, right, and I'm it's a great it. performance too. Like, you know, people if you if you're not talking about you know one or two movies, people in general kind of shit on Jennifer Lopez's acting career. But that's a good performance, you know. As as is the I've never reason, seen it. The, Oh, it's good. I think I think you'd enjoy it. You are you are letting your Latino people down by not taking a look at actual Latino representation on screen. Come I gotta on, go get watch it together, Scarface man. again. Oh no, don't do it. That movie's like three hours long and or Chef. Bad. I gotta go watch John Favreau. <laughs> right. You know, hang his hat on Cuban sandwiches in the Latino community. <laughs> oh right, <laughs> I didn't times. even think about that. Talk yeah. about come on, man. Yeah. Like- <laughs> Cultural appropriation, right there. I know, man. man. What the hell? Not only John Leguizamo should Cuba. be the hero of that movie. He's stealing <laughs> Cuban sandwiches, and then he's got Sofia Vergara under his. Yeah, like, like, settle down, bro. <laughs> he casts Scarlett Johansson aside. Right. Yeah. Know your boundaries. Think, know your limits, you know, buddy. But I think one thing, like we may have missed in this discussion, is how important representation is in general, not just for like film criticism, but you see all these. All these images are coming out right now of all these like young black kids going and seeing Black Panther and seeing a superhero that looks like them and gives them something to dream about that that feels even though it's not feels achievable to them. Like I I I think it would be hard for a black kid to look at you know Superman like the the whitest superhero in history and be like yeah that's who I look up to that's who I want to be and they probably still do because that is the comic book of choice depending on the time but it's so much more power 
for them to see not only this black character on the screen, but all these black actors in this multi-million dollar film being pushed by the biggest company in the world to show that that is an achievable dream too. I mean, there was actually a lot made of um, uh, two of the actors, uh, Winston Duke um, and Lupita Nyong'o, I guess went to Yale together and they went and saw the Avengers and thought like, wouldn't that be cool if we could do that? And both of them were like, nah, that'll never happen. But it happened. And that's pretty cool that like now young actors are going to look at that and not feel limited by the color of their skin. Winston Duke's going to turn take off, man. Oh, he already guy, has, man. That guy stole the movie. Yeah, he, he really <laughs> did. He, he Well, I don't know if he go, I'd go so far as to call it steal the movie. Because steal the movie would, uh, in my Maybe opinion, be a little bit of the stuff. He goes toe-to-toe with some heavyweights in that film. Yeah. And, and I think he, it's like his first film role, yeah. maybe? It, it, with like, a limited amount amazing. of screen time, he makes really good use of it. And I think that guy's going to take it. off. Yeah. Yep, I totally agree. <laughs> I was doing some uh, some uh, fan casting for my beloved Magnum PI with Jay Hernandez and uh, <laughs> uh, DJ Valentine said Winston Duke should play the uh, I forget the guy's name Magnum PI, basically the black dude. You know, should we put Winston Duke in there? Like, Why oh, not? Yeah, I think it's a good idea, man. That guy's charming. He's, he's got charisma. Yeah. He's funny. He definitely has charisma, and I think that is actually. You know, getting back to Black Panther a little bit, one of the marks of a great superhero movie is usually the superheroes are not – shouldn't be the most interesting part because they are the good, right? They're always going to do the right thing. They're always going to come out on top usually unless you're count- counting like stuff like the death of Superman. But that's like way into the future of that um, of that Nerd. comic book, right? Uh, like you didn't know. I don't want to hear it from you. You're the ultimate <laughs> Superman nerd. Um, but – um, the mark of a great superhero movie is how interesting and how engaged you are with these side characters. Like, if you look at that character that Winston Duke is playing, he's in what, like three scenes in that movie? But you yeah. walk out, like, wanting to talk about him. And, you know, our villain, Eric Killmonger, there's like an hour of that movie where he's not there at all. But every time he shows up on screen, you are paying attention. Um, so that was, that was good to see too, that you didn't just have to hang your hat on special effects and the Black Panther suit and and the claws and the fight scenes. Like, you could actually care about these characters. You know, the funny thing is that uh, I asked you, like, when is enough? When would he have success? When is it all normalized, quote-unquote? Mm-hmm. Um, the funny thing is when we're not having this conversation, which, you know, right? we're pushing this podcast of this conversation of representation and saying, hey, Wait, it's it, still needed. It's it'll still be normalized needed. when you don't have to listen to us yammer about about representation in film. But, you know, for now, man, let's celebrate it, dude. I think that uh, absolutely Black Panther does a great enough job of representation that we don't really have to talk about its representation to talk about that film. I think that and there are yeah, it's films, good on its own merits, exa- which absolutely. is what we hope for all the time. You know, you don't want to just you don't want to just like Wonder Woman because oh, there's there's women fighting in it. There's the there's the Amazons and there's you know finally this this uh, female superhero. And the same thing with this. You didn't want it to just be like well, you know, it was a basic Marvel movie. It wasn't that great, but you know, at least representation. At least there's a lot of black people in it. That's yeah. good. Like it's good to have both. Yeah, and, and we got both here. And I, uh, th- that was kind of the trouble I had with Wonder Woman is like. You almost have these two strains that you want to talk about, right? You have the right. representation aspect. It's incredible to see a woman in the position. Great, great, great. But then, we, the, for me personally, the film aspects has a lots of flaws in it from a film perspective, from an enjoyment perspective that dragged me down. So, where do I kind of land in there and try right. to meshing those conversations together? When I talked about it on the podcast, I chose to sort of divorce those two and right. 
at the ones on one hand celebrate that representation, but at the other on the hand, I think that I'm doing, in my opinion, in my uh, mongrel sort of understanding of feminism, <laughs> I'm being a true feminist by just l- judging it on its own merits. I would judge sure. that film. Uh, I would judge Wonder Woman in the same manner that I would judge it if a man made it, if a man was in the position, et cetera, et cetera. Right. I, I would have taken a dump if it was uh, Bobby Jenkins versus Patty Jenkins. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, and, it, and I think it's, I think I think that's it's important, a difference. Right? Yeah, I agree. And I think it's the the way we talk about movies about representation, It's to me, it's the difference between but and and. I'm glad this exists, but here's all my problems with it, versus I'm glad this exists and this was a really good movie. Absolutely. You know? 100% agree with you, buddy. Which is why I found your opinion so disgusting, because, uh, no. Because <laughs> you couldn't see. Because you hate anyone who agrees you with You were so me. blinded <laughs> by the, the beauty of his representation that uh, you didn't realize that Euban Brebner was still in there fucking yucking it up and acting like <laughs> yeah, an asshole. He will never let that go. God, that guy drives me crazy. The worst part of Wonder Woman I want him cast in every movie now just to drive you nuts. The worst part of Wonder Woman is a dude. <laughs> <laughs> Get these fucking guys out of here, Jesus! Get Just like Chris here. Pine and no one else. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, Chris Pine. Chris Pine was excellent in that film. Um, when well, you could get rid of that Aries dude too, man, that was garbage. But um, yeah, I think that. Uh, you know, hopefully we get there. Hopefully we don't have to have this conversation and, you know, we can just talk about films on their merit and art and all that stuff. Yeah, I hope, but, I hope this conversation becomes like a time capsule where people would, would listen to something like this and be like, what are they talking about? Representation? Like, why was that even necessary to bring up? <laughs> Much like this podcast, I'm sure will be yes. in somebody's pod player of choice. Yes, actually, absolutely. In 50 years, someone will listen to us and be like, these idiots, I'm never listening to that again. What is that get crap? That, what is this representation? Get that what? off the pod player in my head. I don't, get it I don't out of here. that anymore. It's time to watch Lucy Part 4 one more time. <laughs> oh, God. The classic that Jesus. it is. I hope for a better future than Lucy Part 4. You're drunk, man. That movie was fucking awesome. <laughs> I love Lucy. <laughs> you do. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to Marcus Played. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe on iTunes or your pop player of choice. While you're at it, give the podcast that we featured on this week's show a spin. We recommend them, so they must be good, because of course we know what we're talking about. And if you can't get enough of us, check out my show on the Trooper Man's Film Podcast, or check out Dave on The Grand Gesture. And as always, you can find more of our stuff at followingfilms.com. 